Today on Let the Bible Speak. What does the Bible mean when it says we are ambassadors for Christ? And what does that have to do with our salvation? Hello and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. I'm happy you've joined me today for the program. The Bible tells us that God sent Jesus Christ into the world to reconcile the world to Himself. That of course implies that there was some sort of separation or a conflict between God and man. It took Jesus to repair that breach and restore man to a state of peace with God. When Christ did the things necessary for that to take place, He then sent messengers out to offer that peace and to make known the conditions of peace. It's much like what takes place when nations find themselves at war today. Paul explains this to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verses 18 through 20, he says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Have you ever thought of yourself as God's enemy? Many don't. They look at God simply as their friend, a friend who overlooks their imperfections and shortcomings. But the Bible teaches that we are the enemies of God, and there must be reconciliation for that to change. Paul says that God has sent forth ambassadors to make known the offer and terms of peace. We want to take a closer look at that today in our lesson, Reconciled to God, after a song. Oh! 
uses a couple of interesting phrases in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to describe the work of himself and the other apostles of Christ. He talks about the ministry of reconciliation and then he speaks of them being ambassadors for Christ. It's important that we understand what he meant by both expressions. First, the word ministry simply refers to service. It means a servant executing the commands of another or it can have reference to collecting and distributing relief to the poor or the hungry. It can refer to other acts of service to which one is appointed. In this case, Paul refers to the service rendered by the apostles in making known the king's message of how men could be reconciled to the kingdom of God. Now that's in essence the gospel message. Paul says that God has worked to reconcile the world to himself through Christ and that he had committed the task of carrying that message of peace to his enemies. You see, he seeks to defeat the kingdoms of men and to establish peace with those who will surrender to his kingdom. That, of course, introduces now the role of an ambassador. Now, we sometimes hear well-meaning people say that all Christians are to be Christ's ambassadors, and we represent him in the things we say and how we live. But that isn't how Paul was using the term in the passage that we're considering today. He had something much more specific in mind when he uses the term ambassador. And today I want us to see what Paul was talking about and how it relates to how we are saved and reconciled to God today. Now first, let's consider what Paul meant by the term reconciliation. They were given the ministry of reconciliation. Read again in verses 18 and 19. He writes, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, now first, Paul shows that the apostles themselves had been reconciled to God. They were in need of salvation as much as anybody else, and they were reconciled to God. And second, they were commissioned to offer that same reconciliation to others. God, in other words, chose them for a special office, and that unique and special office was for the purpose of extending this kingdom offer of reconciliation to a lost and an estranged world. And he says that reconciliation is done through Christ, through the work of Jesus Christ. Now Paul is talking about reconciling people to God who were the enemies of God and therefore estranged from God. To say that we need to be reconciled with God implies that we were at one time separated from Him and at war with Him. 
Well, that's a picture of where every sinner stands in relation to God, whether we stop to think about it or not. When you think of God's enemies, you might think of someone who claims to not believe in God or someone who despises the very mention of God, who is militant uh, against God. You might think of someone who knowingly works to try to thwart the purposes and the will of God. But perhaps you don't think of yourself as the Lord's enemy. But that's how the Word of God pictures every single one of us as long as we are living in sin. And the Scriptures remind us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Now, it's true that God is love and that He loves those who have sinned. No doubt about that. But it's equally true that God hates sin and is angry with those who commit sin. In Psalm 7 and verse 11, David declared that God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. Now the wicked is any person who sins without repentance. It is the person who lives his life in rebellion to the law of God. That person makes him or herself God's enemy and that describes every sinner outside of Jesus Christ. In fact, in many of the beloved passages that declare the love of God, if you'll notice at the same time, they make clear the wrath of God against sin. For example, one of the most beloved texts in the Word of God, John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here you see Jesus made it plain to Nicodemus that He and the rest of the world were in a perishing state. Why? Well, because God is holy. And God is just. And therefore, God's righteous indignation is always kindled against sin. God does not countenance sin. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says that the Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, that implies that people are destined to perish without God's intervention. And that's because all sin. All sin is a violation of God's sovereignty, His holiness, and His divine nature. Not some sin, but all sin. In Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 13, the prophet says to God, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Whatever else the Bible says of God, that truth is made clear from the Garden of Eden to the summit of Mount Calvary. That's what necessitated the death of Jesus. That's what necessitated all of God's redemptive work down to the ages, is God's separation and His disdain for and His condemnation of sin. Therefore, God's disposition toward sin and those who commit it is one of righteous anger. And sin makes a sinner God's enemy. Ephesians 2 and verse 3, Paul there refers to those who live according to the flesh as, quote, children of wrath. But because of His equally loving and merciful nature, God desires peace with the sinner. Paul shows us here in our text and in several other passages that he affected that peace through the sacrifice of his son Christ Jesus upon the cross. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18, he says, Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, he says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath 
through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The death of Jesus Christ was a sacrificial and a vicarious death. God offered his own son as an atonement for the sins of man. In fact, the very word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 5 that is translated reconciliation is also translated in other passages by some translators as atonement or at one month. The idea is the people who were at enmity with each other are made one again. And that's the idea of reconciliation. Sin separates man from God, and for man to be reconciled to God, well, that which separates man from God has to be taken out of the way. It has to be dealt with. Sin must be removed. Because in order for God to receive us, God must be able to look upon us and see a spotless record. Spotless, not a good record, not a better than average record, not a record with more good than bad. He must see a spotless record to have any relationship with us or else He is not holy and just and righteous. Well, the problem is none of us have a spotless record. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have, I have, we all have. But because God offered Jesus as a perfect and unblemished sacrifice or as an offering for sin, as Paul makes plain in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, on that basis our sins can be forgiven and expiated and erased from our record in God's book. Now Paul therefore says in verse 19 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How did he do that? by not imputing their trespasses to them, or as another translation words it, not counting their trespasses against them. And that's the idea of not imputing sin. God does not count our sins against us. He removes them from the record. He forgives them, but He does so on the basis of the sacrificial death of Jesus, the sin offering that Jesus became. And then listen to Paul in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Now speaking of Christ, he says, And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister." So Jesus' death is the only means by which our sins can be dealt with and the sinner himself not only escape God's wrath, but be reconciled to a right relationship with God and have peace with God. Friend, I want to stress, there is no peace with God outside of Jesus Christ. None. You cannot do enough good deeds. You cannot have enough good intentions. You cannot perform enough good works to make peace with a holy and righteous God. You have no peace with Him without appropriating the sacrifice of Christ to your soul. And that's why refusing and rejecting Christ means facing God's eternal wrath. And there is not one single exception to that principle. And that's why the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is good news by which we are saved and wherein we stand, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4.
Now then, Paul says that not only did Christ thus reconcile he and the apostles to God, but that they had been given the ministry of offering that same reconciliation to the rest of the world. It is then that he says in verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now the term ambassadors is not a description of Christians in general. He's not referring to you, he's not referring to me, he's not referring to any group of preachers. He's talking about the apostles. It may be true that in a sense we are representing Christ before an unbelieving world when we preach the truth and Christ is seen through our lives, but that's not what Paul means here. An ambassador is a more official role than that. For example, in Luke chapter 14, verses 31 and 32, Jesus referred to that role when he asked, Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation. In some translations they're saying embassage or an embassy and ask conditions of peace. Well, obviously in Jesus' figure here, the roles are reversed. He's talking about the king who's at a disadvantage, but he shows what the role of an ambassador would be. And the idea is that an ambassador is an official that is dispatched by the king himself to effect an agreement with an outside party. Well, part of God's plan for reconciling sinners to himself was to send a message of peace to his enemies describing what he had done to offer that peace and the terms upon which that peace could come to pass. He appointed an, uh, an, ambas uh, an ambassage of special messengers to take that message to the ends of the earth. Those messengers were the apostles that Christ chose and sent out to make known the gospel plan of salvation and to offer the terms of pardon to those sinners willing to surrender to Jesus, the king. Now when a king sent an ambassador, that, amba that ambassador was given a message to carry, and he spoke on behalf of the king himself. That gave the ambassador authority. Hearing the words of an ambassador was like hearing from the king himself. In fact, notice what he says here. He says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here he says, God was pleading through them and they were imploring others on Christ's behalf. Now also notice the different personal pronouns that Paul uses. He uses the pronouns we and us to refer to Christ's ambassadors. But then he uses a different pronoun. He uses the pronoun you in reference to those he is writing to. The members of the Corinthian church were not the ambassadors. They were the ones who the ambassadors had been sent to and who had been reconciled to God through their message. Now likewise, you nor I are the ambassadors of Christ that Paul is talking about. Rather, we are the ones to whom Christ's ambassadors, the apostles, were sent to offer the message in terms of reconciliation on Christ's behalf. Now that occurred when we heard the gospel, which was first preached and published by the apostles Christ chose and sent out into the world. The apostles of Jesus Christ were and are the representatives of King Jesus in this world today. The word which they first preached and wrote down, which we now have in the New Testament scriptures, are the message of peace that God has extended to all of mankind, the gospel. And to reject the ambassadors of the king 
is to reject the king himself. To reject the New Testament is to reject the Christ revealed in the New Testament. To refuse the commandments of the apostles is to refuse to obey the commandments of Jesus himself. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 3 that Christ was speaking in or through him. And in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 37 he stated that anyone who was indeed spiritual would acknowledge that the things he as an apostle of Christ had written are the very commandments of the Lord himself. Now then, the apostles were sent forth to declare God's intention of peace with sinners through the sacrifice of Christ. That's the gospel, and they went forth preaching the gospel. But that offer of peace has conditions, and the ambassadors of Christ were sent to make those conditions known. And by receiving and complying with those conditions, peace with God can be found. Now some say that salvation is unconditional, but strangely they then contradict their own claim when they say faith is necessary to be saved. Well, obviously, peace with God and reconciliation with God is conditional because Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, obviously, salvation is conditioned upon faith. And Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So clearly the apostles did more than offer peace to sinners. They offered it on certain conditions, and those are conditions of faith. It is by the preaching of that message and obedience to that message that we as God's enemies can be reconciled and have peace with God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Through him we, Paul and the other apostles, have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. So the faith is not just something to be mentally believed, it is to be obeyed. What is this obedience to the faith? Well, friend, let's look at where their mission as Christ's ambassadors began. Jesus sent these men, His apostles, out to publish the glad tidings in Mark 16, beginning in verse 15, saying, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Friend, Jesus tells them the conditions of peace. And they carried those conditions wherever they went throughout the world. The message is Christ crucified and risen again, and the sinner's response is what? To believe and be baptized. Is that what they preached? Well, turn over to Acts chapter 2 and Peter just a few weeks later opened the gate of Christ's kingdom with the keys of the gospel on the day of Pentecost and he declared that the one they crucified was the Christ of God and when they realized that and were made sorry for the terrible things that they had done, they cried out in verse 37 to these ambassadors the now enthroned Christ had sent to them. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said in verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you have not done that today, I echo the words of the Apostle Paul, Be reconciled to God. Go forth in the name of the Savior with tidings of love divine.
Connect with us on social media. Go to Facebook.com and search for Let the Bible Speak TV. It's always a privilege and a pleasure to join you for a few minutes in study of the Word of God. And I hope you'll make your plans to join me back next time if God is willing for another Bible study. If you'd like a copy of our lesson today, we'll be happy to send it to you. It's free of cost. Simply ask for the lesson, Reconciled to God. Reconciled to God. And we'll get that free transcript to you as quickly as we can. Also, we're online, ltbstv.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and share our channel with others, won't you? And also, we're on Facebook and we have a podcast. Just search for Let the Bible Speak TV or Let the Bible Speak with Kevin Presley. And uh, you can subscribe to those various platforms and we'll keep in touch that way. Thank you for joining us for the program today. I hope to see you back here next time. Until then, may the Lord bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.